This is the Raptors Room, a show entirely dedicated to your 2019 champion, Toronto Raptors. I'm your host, Joshua Howe, and as always, we'll be discussing the latest and greatest in the realm of Raptors basketball, from Scotty Barnes' vibes to Pascal Siakam's spins. Today's guest is a writer at Raptors Republic, an old podcasting cohort of mine, and one of the most prestigious members of Raptors Twitter. It is Anthony Doyle. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, better than the Raptors. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to dive right into this because this is, by the way, the inaugural episode. I know we are starting here in November, uh, which may be a little strange to some people, but like, let's just roll with it. It's going to be a good time. Uh, there's going to be the best guests on this show. Um, it's going to be, you know, little old me, uh, if you know, if you've listened to my Writer's Right podcast before, it'll be something kind of similar vibe-wise, a lot of conversation. And uh, it's just going to be a talking about the Raptors. So that's what we're going to dive into right away, right here. And um, just start with, I guess, so I want to do a bit of a season recap and look ahead to this point. Um, and just start with, you know, general thoughts. You know, it can be even about like the game last night, uh, looking ahead on sort of the road trip going forward or, um, you know, everything that's led up to this point. But I'm curious, uh, Anthony, just your thoughts on like what you've seen so far and like, was it sort of what you expected uh, from this team to this point? Or are you just seeing like a completely different group than you thought you would be to this point? And we're only about, you know, 15 games in or a little less than that. But yeah, getting close. Expectations were hard this year for the Raptors. Like we kind of knew what to expect from some of the players, but there was so much unknown with how ready Scotty was going to be right away, what his role was going to be. Like we got really used to for so many years, the Raptors were this veteran group of guys that you knew what to expect. And this is such a young team and it's a weird roster construction. I mean, I'm sure we're going to be talking about big men a lot on this podcast. (laughs) Um, it's so I kind of went into this season with the idea that my expectations were going to be more based on progress and the, the process the players are going through the growth they're showing than the results themselves. And then like they went on that big winning stretch to start the season. And it felt like it's people's expectations started to snowball. Like all of a sudden it went from, Oh, this is a development year to, wait, this is a really good team, and I think we got ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, something that people like to say on Twitter all the time is growth isn't linear. And, you know, we saw with Scotty right away, he got off to those big games, and he's kind of stalled out a little bit. We've seen, like, especially as Pascal has come back, he's struggling to find his place in the offense with that starter group right now. That's okay, even if that doesn't necessarily help the results. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, it's, it's one of those things because I remember talking to a bunch of people before this season and like expectations were kind of all over the place. Cause it was something I going into the season for myself and I was just trying to get a sort of a feel for the vibe of the fan base and pundits and, and everybody involved. And like, 
because I didn't know. I honestly was like, I don't really know what this team is. I think at the at their best, this team is like it's a playoff team, probably a low seed, obviously, probably a first round out type of team, um, but good enough to get there. They're better than they were last season. Hopefully, mostly because of you know uh, situationally. Um, yep. But they were like even last the last year's iteration of the Raptors was better than their record. Um, if, even if you're just looking at point differential and things like that. Uh, but this team I think has a lot of potential, but they're clearly young. And so it's tough to make those sort of, um, you know, judgments on a team, especially before you see them. And especially when one of their pieces that you knew was going to factor in significantly is a rookie. And it's just so hard to figure out exactly what you're going to get from a rookie and you know the most you can bet on is that they're going to go through growing pains um but you just don't know to what extent those growing pains are going to be like uh to this point definitely worth it um but i i I wanted to know like is is that is so is scotty barnes um has he been sort of what stuck out to you the most about this season so far because like there is a bunch of things that have been like pretty not like i would say shocking but at least surprising about this raptors team to this point I mean, Scotty definitely. I didn't. I didn't watch a lot of his college film, and I talked yeah. to a few draft, a few draft guys. But the consensus going into the draft was the Raptors were going to take Suggs. So I spent more time sort of preparing for Suggs than I did for Scotty before mm-hmm. the Raptors drafted him. So even going into his like summer league, I didn't really know that much about him. I wasn't that prepared on him, and then he's just like even more so than the skill things. Like, I love that he's shooting these mid-range jumpers and, he hit, and hitting them. I love that his rebounding presence and his, his ability to box out. But his comfort level with his own body is so surprising for a guy that young. Like, you expect a 20-year-old 6'10 guy who's got muscle on his frame to have some awkwardness. You just, you get used to the idea that that's part of their growing process. He's so comfortable with his own body and he uses so well to create space on in the post when he's posting guys up to finish in traffic. And like, that's the thing that really catches me. And that, that's not it with the Raptors. There's so many things with the Raptors. There's Fred looking like Kyle. There's OG suddenly being able to take guys off the bounds. There's Delano Bent. Like, I mean, <laughs> the 46th overall pick, how often do you get this from him? So there's a lot with the Raptors, but yeah, Scotty's just, he, he was supposed to be a project. He wasn't supposed to be this polished. Yeah. And I'm not to mention on top of that too. I, I, I don't know why, but this keeps sticking in my head. The Dragic thing. I just don't stop thinking about it. It's like a thing that's in the back of my head, like before every game. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just sitting there and it's going to be kind of weird because uh, it, was, it was one of my most anticipated storylines, I think, at least for myself, like looking forward and into how that was going to play out heading into the trade deadline. And now it's more interesting, but in a weirder way. Um, yeah. It's, like the guys on the team seem to really like him. So I, I yeah. guess you kind of assume that he's being a good teammate behind the scenes, that he's working well with them in practice. He's a good presence around the team. But yeah, I expected him to either want to play or want to leave. And he seems to be okay with doing neither right now, which is, I guess, great. Mm -hmm. But 
I mean, just to go back to the Raptors' expectations, the one other thing I would mention there is the East is way better than I thought it was. Yeah, like, it is. If you told me the Raptors were going to get this much growth out of this many guys, I would have said they're definitely a playoff team. But I yeah. also thought the East wasn't going to be this good. And that does affect how we project the Raptors because, like, Charlotte being really good, you know, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, Washington. Washington. So the East I expected to be like a nine-team conference, and it's a 12-team conference. Yeah. And I think it would be easy to say the Raptors can have some growing pains and still be a playoff team in a nine-team conference. I don't Mm -hmm. think you can do that in a 12-team conference. And I think that makes the questions a lot bigger for this Raptors team. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, I mean, it kind of goes into partly how I feel about the play-in tournament, but, like, like the Raptors in all likelihood are still going to be vying for a playoff spot at the very least uh, come the end of this season. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the play-in tournament. Uh, I don't hate it. I think, but I, I think I just don't like it as much as some other people, Um, but I totally get why people like it. Um, But yeah, that's kind of the space. I think the Raptors are probably going to be in uh, is like, if not already in a playoff spot at a low seed, then vying to get into one, they're likely going to be in a play-in tournament game one way or another. Uh, and yeah, so I, I could just see that. But but yeah, so, so like you're saying, and, and Scotty Barnes too, um, it's funny, I should mention this, that uh, I mentioned I think maybe once more uh, in a different podcast, but um, I don't know if you saw the video. There's a Raptors Republic video um, from the draft that uh, – <laughs> Yeah. A bunch of yeah, that a bunch of people were at, and it went viral because it had the reaction of Scotty Barnes getting selected, and uh, it was pretty. It was pretty funny live. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> it was um, it was pretty funny to just watch everybody be like, oh no, and I, and I you know, it's funny. Like I had the same thoughts. Uh, I, I wasn't supremely invested uh, because I don't um, you know dive deep into college hoops until about draft time. Um, but, uh, once we, once we got there, um, and what I learned from reading a, a material from people smarter than I, I was also in on Jalen Suggs. So the Scotty Barnes pick surprised me. Um, but, uh, wow, the react, just being around like, you know, a group of Raptors fans and kind of seeing like what that was like to what it is now after like what, less than 15 games. And just how he's like completely won over the, the fan base has been like, a surreal experience because it's only, you know, a few months difference. And, um, and, uh, by the way, also leads the Raptors in technical fouls this season, which is another thing I would not have predicted. Another surprise. What a shock. And got one uh, last night for, for clapping too hard, I guess. Uh, That was funny last night. I like, I, I really think he was just typing himself up. He wasn't trying to do anything to the, but um he's got such an amazing personality too like as great as he's been on the court he he has a great personality he's embraced the city he's embraced the team and like that went a long way to winning the fan base over after the fans didn't really want him in that pick Mm -hmm. um he just he's an easy guy to appreciate he's an easy guy to enjoy and he's he has a very magnetic game too like he yep. makes the big explosive athletic plays, but he also is just 
kind of everywhere on the court doing little things. He's a great screen setter. He's a yep. good cutter. He sees cutters well. So, I mean, one thing I'd love to see the Raptors do a lot more with him is use him in the high post. Yeah. We've got these, I was looking at his elbow touch numbers the other day and he's at I, just under a point per possession on elbow touches, which is really good. And mm-hmm. he's a, and he's a good passer out of that space. So mm-hmm. I, especially getting him more comfortable with Siakam. Siakam's a good cutter. He used to do that a lot in the Kawhi season. Mm-hmm. And then last year, as he became a lot more ball dominant, he stopped cutting because the ball was in his hands so much. Yeah, I'd like to see Pascal get back to that part of his game. And I think you could use Scotty to do that. So I just... I think Scotty has a lot more growth he can show, and even just this year. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think like uh, those types of possessions are especially useful when the offense is stalling out because it's not like the Raptors are ever running anything for him anyway. Like a lot of those plays that you see happen are just like intuitive. Like it's like Scotty ends up with the ball on one side of the floor um, near the elbow, and then he just make something happen and like somebody recognizes that there's a, like a sliver of space and they cut into it and he finds them every single time. Um, like that's just a great sort of other, you know, release valve to have when you're, when your initial action just completely breaks down, which for the Raptors in the half court happens uh, fairly often. So <laughs> I, I, I think Scotty is responsible for like half of Gary's layups this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that and irrational confidence because some of those ones he's made on the in transition have been like real, like insane. Just yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he's kind of like, um, like to your point, he's also kind of been, I, I keep, it's not a perfect comparison, but there's some similarities between him and Marcus all, I think. Um, and just in like, it's so clear that like he has that same gift of like, he knows where the next play is before he even has the ball. And then when he receives the ball, uh, he immediately makes it happen. Like he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't wait. He knows where it's going. He knows the best play, any broken play that happens. He knows where to send the ball um, or, or just what he to do that, with it. He had that one transition play like two days ago. That's really stuck with me where mm-hmm. he got a rebound and made an instant touch pass to Pascal yeah. to create a transition opportunity. And like, that decision-making has really stuck with me to just, before you even caught the ball on the rebound, you're already processing, okay, this is where it needs to go. This is how we create points off it. And that's such, like, he, he's a good, good quick decision-maker, and the Raptors need more of those guys. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, it, it also showcases, like, how, just how unselfish he is, too. Like, there's some guys that want to grab that rebound, right? And they get the stat for that. Like, if you tip out a rebound, you you don't technically have possession of the ball, so you don't get credit for that rebound. Um, but Scotty doesn't care. Like, it, it was so much, you know, it's such a winning play to just uh, be in there, um, be able to tip out the ball and... Like, you know, it, he could have grabbed it, but he saw that was Siakam was there already moving out onto the break. And if you see a Siakam starting to run, like you're going to get him the ball. Um, and so he had it to him, uh, you know, in half a second. And then Siakam saw his feet just, uh, you know, ripping down the court. And uh, it was like maybe two seconds, that whole thing. Um, and they had points so quick. And like, it's just an example of what this Raptors team will be at its best is uh, off a rebound or, or a turnover. 
getting out into transition, pushing the ball and just making use of their length and athleticism. And um, it's really cool to see Scotty kind of ignite those plays just with like not only his effort, but uh, his, his intelligence as well. Sorry. Yeah, it's so the, on the other side with Scotty is I'd like to see the Raptors do a little bit better at managing like when he's not involved. And especially this goes into like the bench transition lineups we've been running. Mm-hmm. In the last five, four or five games, there's been a lot of lineups where it's like Scotty and Boucher and Precious and. Gary Trent Jr. and then Delano will be out there with them or another guy will be out there with them. And you get that many guys who like to freestyle on offense and Scotty can just kind of disappear in the offense because he'll, he will defer to those guys. And so if Precious decides he wants to try to beat his man off the bounce four possessions in a row, Scotty's going to let him do that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's something where Scotty has to learn that, you know, he can be assertive. He can say, I need to take over here. Or if that's something where the Raptors need to say, okay, we have to slow it down and get him involved because he's the best creator in this group. Or maybe we just have to stop running the lineups. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that part of it is too, is like one of the things he's going to continue to learn and get better at as he grows is um, picking his spots because you know, he didn't come into this season as, uh, you know, there was no expectations for him offensively, really. Um, all the expectations were defensively. Uh, but all of a sudden, now that, like, you know, everyone knows it's a possibility that not only, like, can he score because of his strength and size, like, down low or on the roll or something, um, he can hit mid-range pull-ups. Uh, he can hit mid-range shots on the move. Um, he can hit the occasional three, like, you know, he has some range and uh, his shot is fluid and looks good and will hopefully continue to get even better. Um, but he can score. And you can tell, though, that his mentality and everyone has talked about it, uh, including past coaches of his and stuff, right? That he's so unselfish. Uh, it's not in his nature to necessarily just like take over games. I mean, um, you know, even in college, he wasn't that guy. So to come into the NBA and be on a team with like, you know, a player like Pascal Siakam, like Fred Van Vliet, uh, you know, Gary Trent Jr., Precious, like guys who want to score. Uh, it's tough to be that guy, I think, when you're a rookie too and come in and just be like, no, you know what? I got this. Let me run things here for a bit. Like, don't worry about it. Like, I, you know, to be kind of a big move in your first 15 games to be that guy. But he, he does look like there's moments where the offense will completely stall out and he's on the floor and he'll decide, okay, well, let me try something here. Maybe I can, you know, spark something. And uh, he's done it to his credit, uh, you know, multiple yeah, times. I was looking at his college stats the other day. I, I, it's funny with his college stats because like he's all by the end of this week, he'll probably played as many NBA minutes as he did college minutes. He'll probably have taken as many NBA shots as he did college shots in total. Yeah. Like, he just didn't, he didn't play that much in college. He didn't try to score that much in college. Nope. He was, he was a secondary guy. And we get so used to it. The NBA, every NBA player was a star in college. Scotty wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of a sudden, he's got this ability to create his own shot in the league. He's got this ability to seek out his own game. I mean, the, I think Daniel Hackett made this point to me. 
in a conversation about how few of Scotty's buckets are assisted. It's like thir- he's creating 70% of his own shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is like kind of shocking, right? Because like you, you would expect even like, it's funny, we talk about things like, um, you know, Scotty as a role man, like it's like, it's weird to say that like we want to be seeing more of that because like that's not really what he does right now. <laughs> like he doesn't do a lot of that. Like he does set screens and things like that, but he's not being found as a role guy a ton. Like his points are usually coming on in transition or on some of these mid-range pull-ups. Um, getting just getting down and bullying down low and getting some buckets that way. Like, yeah, it's it's weird. A lot of putbacks too. A ton of putbacks. Yeah, his offensive rebounding. So the thing I, that I like the most about that that is that is stuck out to me the most is like that second jump. I remember when uh, Andrew Wiggins. It's so weird to talk about Wiggins this way now, kind of. But like when he came out of like college and he got and he was playing in his first season in Minnesota, that was like all anyone would talk about it was like, man, you know, even if he misses a shot, he is so springy. He's like he gets right back up immediately. Um, but like Wiggins is a bit more of a slender guy than Barnes. Like Barnes is, came in a lot bulkier than Wiggins. He's just a bigger dude, and um, but he's got that same sort sort of spring, that secondary. Uh, I'll get right back up there. And he's so strong that like he is getting a lot of those or at least tipping them out and like creating so many secondary opportunities. And uh, between him and Kem Birch, um, like it's pretty much like those two guys. And now that Siakam's back, he's been also contributing there. But uh, those two guys have like made a not completely terrible half court offense for the first part of the season, which is like, pretty wild that they've been doing that pretty much based on offensive rebounding. Um, and also, also Svi. Svi has been underrated, I think in that element, he's had a, you know, up and down start to the season, but that dude gives effort every time. So shout out Svi. Uh, I just, my one other thing as far as Scotty goes is in the last three games or the last couple of games since Pascal's been back, we've been running that small lineup a lot. And that small yep. lineup really relies on Scotty being a center in some aspects. Like who guards the center is sort of up in the air, but Scotty's filling a lot of those duties. He's mm-hmm. your guy who's who's managing the boards. He's your backline defender. He's sitting in the dunker spot on offense. And I don't think that's that should be his long term role. Like he's doing okay at it, but he's also wearing down at the end of games. He's struggling a lot with being back cut. I mean, you saw this a lot against Portland is he's very good at shading himself towards being in defensive position. But when he does that, he loses his guy on the back end a lot. He gets cut behind him. Mm-hmm. He's a good defender, but he's got, he's not a, like he's not OG defensively. OG has all of the physical tools. Scotty doesn't have, he's not the quickest laterally. He does. He's, still learning to use his hips to shade defenders. There are some things he still has to learn defensively. And because of that, when you ask him to be in that role where he's got to be your backline defender for a small lineup, he looks exposed sometimes. And so I, I mean, I know this is, you know, kind of wishful thinking, but I'd really like to see the Raptors pick up a true big man and go to a bigger starting lineup. Because I think the Raptors have been trying to use that OG Pascal Scotty versatility at three to five, and I'd like to see that shift to the two to four. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's obviously like the main thing that this Raptors team is missing roster wise is, uh, a true center. I should say, um, like, you know, Ken Birch is a center, but he's, he's a, he's a backup center. Let's be real. Um, he's the best center on the Raptors right now, but he's a, he's a backup center in the NBA most likely. Um, and it would really help. It would even help with the Raptors defensive game plan. They maybe wouldn't have to be so aggressive on everything, um, which might help in a, a few different ways. Um, but, uh, I know Raptors Twitter is already getting pretty tired of watching wide open corner threes, which, you know, I look, man, I get it. Like we've been watching this for a couple seasons, obviously. Right. So it happened all last year too. Um, but uh, and this season, they're hitting more of them, I believe. There was one season, was it last season? I can't remember because the pandemic has made time a flat circle. But uh, there was a season where the Raptors were allowing the most open corner threes in the NBA, and it was their opponents were shooting the lowest percentage against them on those shots. I think that was last season. Was it last season? Okay, yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty much the same type of defense as is going on now, generally, stylistically. And... Uh, it's just that opponents are capitalizing on the more. I mean, you got leave guys open in the corner long enough, you know, like the Raptors are, are pretty good um, at trying to get the right guys uh, to be taking those shots. That's the main thing. But again, you're going to give NBA players enough wide open shots in the corner. Like we saw even against the Pistons, man, like these are NBA players. If you give them shots that are that wide open, they're going to start hitting some of them. Right. Uh, it's just going to happen. So, and then, you know, a team inevitably you hit enough of them, they catch fire. That's how it works in the I, NBA. I made, the, I, I made this point on Twitter during the Detroit game. The Raptors have too much individual defensive talent on ball to be helping as quickly as they are and as freely as they are. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing OG Ananobi getting isolated by, def- by offensive players that he can definitely stop. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing the help come instantly. And it doesn't have to be there. And you shouldn't be helping one pass away when OG Ananobi is guarding on ball. Yeah. And we're giving up open threes off that. So it's got to be a schematic thing because it's happening with everybody. And I don't really, I, I know people get mad at me when I criticize Nick Nurse, but I don't understand the point of that schematic decision. You have a team with this much defensive talent. You should be utilizing that. You should be giving those guys opportunities to make those stops without the help. Because it makes players, it makes a guy a one-on-one scorer if you don't help. If you help, then you're suddenly in recovery and that next rotation is, you know, then your rotations have to be perfect or you're giving something away. Mm -hmm. And the defensive chemistry isn't there yet for the rotations to be perfect. You know, this isn't that Kawhi, Siakam, Lowry, Fred defense that was just like, bodies everywhere where the they can afford to rotate from point to point to point and always be there we don't have that this year and not having a big man in the paint not having that mark gasol also is a big part of that so yeah yeah i mean like i get it like i get why they do it nurse has talked about it enough right like the idea obviously when you have a team that has no true backline uh stopper is sort of like well, we're going to force the other team into mistakes. We've got this ton of length, you know, we kind of have to go small. So we're going to swarm as much as we can. We're going to have our arms out. Um, they're just constantly, you know, flailing. Um, and the idea is if they can get turnovers and get out and run, 
that's going to be the offense too, because you're sort of gambling because they don't, they don't want to be getting into the half court offense a lot, right? They're trying to avoid that as much as possible. So it's constantly just an effort to try to get a the transition. And so, you know, so they're, they're basically gambling. Like if you just want to look at it that way, like the Raptors defensive style is a gamble, right? Like if you, Gary Trent Jr. Everyone like is like, oh man, like you know, everyone's talked a lot about his defense this season, and uh, for the most part, it's been, you know, I've enjoyed what he's done, even even the shortcomings I totally get. But like, he is like an encapsulation of the Raptors' defense in himself, right? He gambles all the time, but like that's what Nick Nurse is asking him to do. That's what the Raptors' scheme is asking him to do. Like, um, you know, if he sees an opportunity, he needs to take it, especially as one of the smaller guys on the floor. Um, so. You know, like that's that's just kind of how it I is. Think but one guy gambling is okay. It's the possessions where you have three guys going for the same steal. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and I mean, it's like you're saying too. Like the shortcomings are are obvious, right? But it's like even in the game against the Pistons, like there were a couple of shots down the stretch where Cade Cunningham, uh, he just hit a couple of tough shots. There was at least one where he did go against uh, OG one on one. And OG forced him into a really tough shot and he just hit it. And, uh, you know, that's just one of those things where it's like, okay, like you shake your head and you live with it. But I, I agree with you that on a lot of possessions like that, especially down the stretch um, of tight games, uh, I'd be willing to let guys like OG, uh, a fantastic defender, you know, take his chances one-on-one. And, you know, sometimes great players are going to hit tough shots, right? That's what makes them great players. So I, I don't think you should... Uh, fault it too much if the defense is good, if the process is good. So, um, but yeah, I, I I think the Raptors like the biggest decision they really need to make right now is a lot of who they want to be this year. Like, there's there's talent there. There's Scotty's growth. There's all these improvements that you know we mentioned and that everybody's seen. But there's also you know Fred and OG are one and two in minutes right now in the league. The starting lineup is carrying a huge minutes load. You're putting guys at risk of injury doing that. You have the center questions and stuff like that. Like Scotty Barnes being who he is makes all of the options good for the Raptors, in my opinion. If they want to try to contend this year, he fits well enough that you can make a trade to bring in a big man and all of a sudden you have this great starting lineup and you can put together a team that will contend for the playoffs really well. If they decide they want this to be a development year, Scotty's future is bright enough. They can do that and they can redirect that. But I think, you know, you want to make that decision of who you want to be before these minutes start catching up to you. And it's easy to say we can just sort of wait and see how it all plays out. But minutes contribute to injuries. There's enough data on that. And like the minutes that Fred and OG are playing is going to become a concern at some point if it's not already. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, like the Fred minutes already are a bit of a concern in my opinion. You know, he's already mentioned a couple times this season that he's like, we're not talking about the minutes this year. He doesn't want to talk about minutes. They talked about that a lot last season. He doesn't want to hear it again. Very Fred Van Vliet type answer. Um, but yeah, he is carrying a heavy minute slow to start this season and he's already got a groin injury and he's already playing through it, you know? Um, and like, like I had people on Twitter mentioning me last night or was it last? Yeah. Last night. Um, uh, just uh, during the Portland game and like, you know, he exploded down the stretch there uh, in the fourth quarter, trying to will the team to a victory in the end. And I had people afterwards being like, well, he only showed up in the fourth. Where was he the whole rest of the time? And it's like, 
man, he's trying to, he's trying to play through a groin injury here, man. He's just trying to make it to the end. Like he was waiting until that point to be like, okay, we're close enough. I'm going to try and get it. And uh, it was pretty clear that he was doing that because he was not moving very well. The, the Raptors have a lot of depth, like in terms of the number of guys on the roster who belong on an, in an NBA rotation, there's like 12 guys on this roster who fit in an NBA rotation and can play on most teams in the league. But they don't have a lot of skill set duplication. Like yeah. Fred's the only guy who does what he does. And so as much as they have a lot of rotation guys, injuries are going to hit them really hard. You, I mean, Right now, we're missing, you know, Precious and Yuta and Kemba's missed time and um, Pascal's missed time. Like, that forward rotation starts to look really thin when some of these guys are missing time. And if you can get everybody back and healthy, that's great. But if you have to run guys into the ground until other guys are back, you're just going to be sort of playing musical chairs as far as who's healthy and who's trying to carry that load until they get healthy. If yeah. If Yuta comes back, but we lose another forward in the process, that's not an improvement. No, no, it's really not. And it, uh, you know, it affects everything, right. For two from the, obviously guys playing through it and whatever, and guys on their way back and things like that. Like you can see it last night in the game too, that Raptors started off really well. And then I honestly thought, um, different from, uh, you know, some of their earlier performances, but I thought some of the defenses, particularly with the starting unit, their defensive issues were just like, Siakam's still working his way back. He's a step slow. Like Fred has the groin issue. He's not moving very well tonight. Like those are just going to cause issues. And when they're two of your top players and two of your better defenders, normally um, that's going to cause problems. And then, you know, another guy you got there is a rookie and like, he's just trying to figure some things out and like, it, it's tough, you know? Um, and Scotty is worn down. Like, yeah, you, well, he was guarding Nurkic you, last night. If you go back and watch like the first four or five games of the season and then watch the last two or three games and watch his energy level through like the middle portions of the game, mm -hmm. he is the, it's taking a toll on him. And you know, the rookie walls a real thing in the NBA, but also this is a guy who played 24 minutes a game in college and played like 500 total minutes playing North of 35 minutes a game in the NBA and guarding guys he went from guarding James Harden to Nurkic like three games later. Like he's guarding five positions. And that's, not, that's a lot to ask of a guy. Yeah. And not only that, like this dude is like pressing them 94 feet. Like he's just all over them everywhere. Like I think, I think uh, hopefully nurse can tell him maybe to pull back a little bit on some of the guards coming up the floor. Cause it's just like, uh, dude, you don't need to be that close up on the, on some of these guards. They're going to blow past you, but. Uh, yeah, we don't. You you really don't need to guard Dame ninety four feet. <laughs> no, no. It's, yeah, that's, that's all right. We'll we'll be cool with that. I appreciate the effort, but uh, yeah. Um, okay, so we've got a, a few minutes here, just a couple of minutes left. But I, I just quickly wanted to touch on uh, sort of a near to your aspect of the Raptors so far because it's just something that has stuck out to me that I'm really interested in. Uh, so far this season and going forward is sort of um, the bigs on short roll and sort of in conjunction with that, like Siakam and Scotty as screeners, um, because I think 
we've seen a lot of success from the bigs on the short roll, not just Siakam and Scotty. Uh, you know, Kem Birch has made some really nice passes coming out of the short roll, playmaking there. Um, I think Precious Ochua, that's maybe been one of his brightest spots this season, has been on the short roll. Like, he, he's a good passer. He just needs to keep his head up and know where everybody is. Um, and, and I think that's been one of the better looks for the Raptors in the half court, that something they can actually consistently go to because a lot of their big men are versatile in that way. And uh, it led to a lot of great looks, especially early on uh, against Portland last night. Uh, you know, it led to a lot of those OG threes to start the game. And uh, yeah, I was just I was just curious about what you thought about uh, those types of possessions. I I love the idea of it in specific matchups. Like uh, I made this point um, about a week and a half ago, just before Siakam came back, is that I love the idea of the Scotty Siakam side pick and roll with mm-hmm. a sp- with a spaced floor and somebody responded with well what won't teams just switch it and in theory yeah you're probably going to have you know they're similar sized guys but how many teams have two six ten defenders who are strong enough to guard scotty and pascal and so if you create that decision that a team has to make and either one of them has a mismatch especially with scotty being the mid-range shooter he is and being as good at finishing into contact you're going to be creating a situation where you know you have scotty setting a screen for pascal pascal's either going to have space to shoot he's going to have the roll option he's going to have space to drive or scotty's going to have room, room to drive and they can both do all of those things mm-hmm. and pascal on is a good screen setter too so you can flip that the other way and the raptors have enough shooters who can space around them that if a team throws help like i also trust both of those guys as passers Mm-hmm. So, you know, you saw that once or twice against Portland. There was the one where um, Siakam hit Scotty on the short roll for the yep. baseline drive. Yeah. And, like, you can kind of see that. I think those two guys haven't had time to develop chemistry yet. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot they can do offensively together as they build that. Because Pascal's going to learn all the things Scotty can do for him. And... um one of the like little things I love about Scotty is he sees the floor so well offensively. If you just watch games and focus on him when the ball's in other guys' hands, it's not just how he screens or how he spaces the floor. He's aware of things like who else is moving into offensive rebounding position, who else is, you know, what the other guys are on the floor. There was a possession, I think it was two games ago, where he was out there with Cam and Gary Trent Jr. And as they came up the floor, he started to put himself into position to be in a good offensive rounding position. But then Gary, he started to go into his isolation. You saw Scotty turn and check the other side of the floor. He saw Cam moving into the um, weak side of the basket to, for the offensive rebounding position and he immediately cut to the court which isn't the optimal position for him but he immediately knew that if he stayed there he was going to be crowding the offensive board for Cam, and he was going to be taking away gary's driving lane and sort of when you start to realize that he sees all of that it creates a lot of room to have those live reads between him and somebody like pascal siak yeah exactly i mean and that's part of the reason i think that siakam as a roller is something that the Raptors are going to need to utilize more going forward. Um, it was 
shown a fair bit against Portland and, you know, pretty much every one of those possessions was pretty great. Like, <laughs> and he was, you know, different things, right? Like we talked about like the possession uh, you mentioned, like where Scotty was cutting baseline and Siakam found him uh, immediately. And then there's like, you know, Siakam just being able to so quick, he can just force his way right to the rim. He's got enough strength to get there too. Uh, even when he can't, if there's someone who does collapse and they're a bit stronger, he's very good at spinning by them, stopping, turning around, giving a little hook shot. Um, you know, he can find guys that are spaced out to the corner. Uh, you know, he's just getting Siakam on the move downhill with the ball in his hands as a, you know, what else can you ask for, right? Like getting a moving defense and Siakam going at them is exactly what you want. And it's just one of the ways you can get him going quickest in any game, right? Is, is to kind of get him in that position. So want to see more. One of the weaknesses of the Raptors attack offensively in the half court this season, when they have really slowed down is their inability to get North South action going. Like they're, they have a lot of guys who are good at moving laterally on the court offensively, but when things really slow down, they're just unable to get any North-South penetration, and that just kills the offense. Um, I really like Precious Achua as a future player, mm-hmm. but I have noticed, especially in lineups when he's out there, defenses are really willing to ignore him. And so it it really becomes a problem when he's trying to screen for OG or Fred to get them downhill space because the defense will just fully commit to them. Yep. And you know, I would like to see Ken get more of those minutes, especially with those guys, because I think Ken has, he's, he sets better screens and he has, has better hands. And I, I get the idea of precious, but I think the idea of precious is better than the reality of precious right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, Bit of a tough season to start for Precious. Uh, it's weird because, like, you sometimes you see the flashes of what he can do, and you're like, wow, this guy's so versatile. He can do so many things. And then, you know, there's just there's some other stuff he needs to work on. He's a young guy, super raw still. Uh, you know, head down a little too much, I would say, sometimes. Um, but, hey, look, he's making efforts. Um, there was, like, a game where I noticeably saw a shift, and he was, like, he could have just grabbed a board and took it down the floor like he was doing a lot early on in the season, and he, like almost looked like he was about to do it. And he brought himself to a stop and handed it off to Fred. And I was like, all right, see, like there's some growth here. It's some growth We're you know, we're on the right path. So, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you that at this point, um, you kind of got to roll with those guys. Um, but yeah, uh, so I think that's going to kind of bring us to, uh, the end of this episode here. I've been going on for a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I want to thank you for coming on the first inaugural episode, Anthony. I know, uh, We've done some of these in the past, and uh, every time I've done them, you and I seem to be a good combination. Uh, people seem to enjoy listening to us uh, for whatever reason. I'm sure it's for your analysis more than mine. Um, but uh, it was great to have you on again and, and talk Raptors with you. Um, is there anything specific you want to plug before we go here? I haven't really been do- uh, doing much writing right now. So Mostly for me, it's just my Twitter. Um, I w- I'd like to get back to doing more writing. I love doing this type of content. So I'd love to do more of this. If you have an opening, let me know. (laughs) I always enjoy doing this with you. Thanks for having me on, Josh.
Yeah, man. Um, we will, we'll be talking about that for sure. I know it, uh, especially uh, now that I have a bit of a better interconnection, uh, internet connection. So um, for those who know, they know. Uh, yeah. So as for this podcast, um, <laughs> you'll be able to find uh, episodes of the Raptors Room on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Um, you can also follow the Clutch Points Raptors account on Twitter at Raptors Nation CP, where links to everything and anything Raptors will be posted. And until then, um, you can follow me at Havolution on Twitter. You can find my own online work this season at clutchpoints.com. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.